Welcome to episode 23 of Achieve Great Things. This is RJ from Hathaway. This will be our last episode of season one, and we will be talking with Chad Nelson, who's the CEO of the Surfrider Foundation, really interesting philanthropy based in California. He talks a lot about mobilizing people to support issues um, in, in pretty unique ways. Uh, we hope that you enjoy it. We were able to talk with Chad at the Communications Network Conference in Miami, in September, and um, we hope you enjoy the conversation. We're um, going to end season one with this with this conversation, then we'll be back in early 2018 with season two. As we take this break and sort of reflect on season one and think about season two, we appreciate any thoughts, feedback, um, ideas you might have, so feel free to shoot us an email at podcast.hadaway.com. We really appreciate your support. Thanks for all the feedback and to everyone for listening. So enjoy this conversation, and we'll see you all in a couple months. Thanks again for tuning in. All right, I'm here with Chad Nelson, who's the CEO of Surfrider Foundation. Nice to nice to meet you and, yeah, and talk for, with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and we um, last night at the at the Comnet reception, we're at the Comnet conference in Miami. Last night on the, at the conference, we bonded over having twins. Yes, <laughs> I'm on the back end of having twins. Mine are 16, and you're on the front end. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, so I want to get more advice about that, but sure. but this is not a twins podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the advice there is only just encouragement. <laughs> yeah, okay, good, perfect. Um, so for people who aren't familiar, can you just start by telling us a little bit about Surfrider? Sure. So the Surfrider Foundation is a um, global grassroots coastal conservation organization, and uh, our, our goal is really to turn people's passion for the coast and the ocean into protection. And um, so, you know, the, it was Arthur C. Clarke who said, um, you know, how inappropriate it is that we call this planet Earth when it's really planet ocean. Seventy hmm. percent of the planet. So we want servers to help save the world. Awesome. That's great. I want to talk a little bit more about that because that's an interesting take on it um, to mobilize people who already care about something to realize that they actually care about something else. So I want to get yeah. more into that. Sure. And we were just talking before we were recording that you ended up ended up at the foundation and back in the area where you grew up, maybe not not expecting to. What, what's yep. your path to Surfrider been like? Sure. I mean, I, I had the incredible fortune of uh, growing up on the beach mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, was a lifeguard, a surfer, a fisherman, and it dates me, but, you know, my brother and I used to grow up watching Flipper. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> I kind of feel like I had it pretty close to that life, which was really, really fortunate and fell in love with the ocean. Um, I also grew up in Southern California, which has been completely overdeveloped and it has a huge population. And uh, I watched what that did to these sort of magical places. They mm-hmm. get fished out. The, you couldn't go surfing or swimming after it rains because the water's polluted. Uh, you know, so that was kind of what motivated me to get into environmental issues. Um, I bounced around to grad schools and jobs in the state government, federal government, all having to do with coastal okay. management mm-hmm. for the most part. And uh, Almost 20 years ago now, I lucked out and I got a job at the Surfrider Foundation. Uh, and cool. I've been there ever since. It brought me back to Southern California, which is uh, where we're, you know, where the organization is headquartered, although we're all over the country. Awesome. And I know you mentioned between San Diego and L.A. is where you guys are. Yep. San Clemente, California. Um, again, like it's funny. No one knows this anymore, but it's the home of the Western White House. So Nixon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nixon had a house on the bluff. Um, and interestingly enough was, you know, um, also responsible for establishing a state park and opening up surfing to a place mm-hmm. called Trestles, which is one of the best surf spots in the United States. Yeah, and he was supportive of the of the EPA and 
Does yeah, he, I, he was I, advocating for the Clean Air Act. He and, signed and, a lot of the major yeah. legislation in the '70s, and it's pretty interesting. It's you know that he, I think the um, the pressure and the, at the time was such that he couldn't not. Yeah, which is interesting to think about today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, so that it's interesting because a lot of foundations and and organizations try to engage you know, the public to care about their issue, whether it's even on environmental issues, but this this idea of turning people like surfers and other people who really care about the coast into activists or into mm-hmm. turn passion into activism, that's really interesting. Is that how the organization started? You know, it, it actually started uh, also interestingly enough that Nobody who founded Surfrider was sort of a professional environmentalist or an mm-hmm. activist. It really was just a group of surfers in Malibu, California, um, at Surfrider Beach. So one thing that's interesting is the name Surfrider is really about a place, not mm-hmm. about the activity. Cool. Although they happen to be surfers, and um, they, you know, were tired of seeing ocean pollution and surfers getting sick, tired of the coast being managed to impact these surf spots, they sort of got active. Uh, They had no idea what they were doing and it just evolved organically. And in 1993, it was formed in 84. In 93, a surfer that was a Sierra Club guy was like, hey, you should use this grassroots model and build out, you know, and and that's what they did. And to, to date, I still think it's the best thing that the organization ever did. I mean, we really, we train people in their communities to become stewards and advocates for their community. We don't actually do a lot of top-down. Mm-hmm. It's when we say grassroots, it's not like, hey, we run a campaign and get a bunch of people to like sign something yeah. and call it grassroots. Yeah. We t- we teach them how to organize and then say, go do what you want to do awesome. in your place. That's great. That's a great model, and and it's a difficult to do, but but maybe more helpful over the long term. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we're building like we're building leaders in communities as opposed mm-hmm. to winning issues in communities. Yeah. And so once you build a leader in a community that cares, they can kind of point that at anything. Yeah. So what do you see just from from your perspective at the foundation as the biggest um, challenges or opportunities, whichever one you want to take first? We sure. can touch on both. Yeah. I mean, from an opportunity standpoint, I think there's two things about Surfrider that are interesting. Um, Surfing is like an inherently sexy and interesting sport. Mm-hmm. Surfing scientists and activists is kind of this oxymoron in a lot mm-hmm. of people's minds. Mm-hmm. So I think we got a lot of attention for that, which is great. We also spend a lot of time telling people it's not just for surfers, mm-hmm. anyone who lives in a coastal community. So that's the live by the sword, die by the sword nature of being a, related to surfing. Yeah. The other part about it, which I was mentioning to you earlier, is because we're in these communities, working with locals, trying to engage them in activism and trying to get them involved, we, we have to speak in plain language. And so, you know, that the insider jargon that every charitable organization or issue has, mm-hmm. the acronyms, all of those things that we're not supposed to do to be effective communicators, um, we can't get away with. Because if you're like, it's the CZM with NOAA, and you know, if they don't get the MPDES permit, then yeah. and then the person you're talking to will be like, what the hell are you... What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know, like, a There's a government agency that's responsible for water quality, and we need to make sure that they take action so that your surf spot's not polluted. Oh, okay. I, that's, you know, sign me up. Yeah, that's interesting. That A lot of work we do is what we call jargon busting, and it's so hard in health and education. and I mean, every sector has its own. Sure. You know, and there's, there's good reasons for it at times in scientific yep. communities or whatever, but, like, when you're trying to engage people, it's people put their put their 
barriers up when they hear it, right? And they're like, yeah, they and, turn and, off. And, and, and we, so I feel like we're sort of doing communications, testing, R&D mm-hmm. constantly. Nice, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, if we can translate up that up the food chain from the people in the field to our communications, yeah. then I think, you know, we're doing a lot of the things that you learn at a thing like ComNet yeah. Yeah. <laughs> about how to be an effective communicator. So I feel like for those reasons, we... Uh, the other thing, one other thing I think is because it's about recreation, mm-hmm. um, it's not as polarizing as being an environmental mm-hmm. group with a capital E. Mm-hmm. So we also, I think, are able to attract a pretty broad audience. People care about coasts and recreation versus like, I hear all the time, I would never join an environmental group, but I would support the Surfrider Foundation. Wow. Even though Which it's is cool same, for us. It's great. Even, even though it's like the, the same end of the day, it's envir- we're an environmental organization. Yeah. Yeah. And so. what... Um, what advice do you give like your your friends or colleagues in the environmental movement? Are there things that they can learn from your success in terms of how to get out of that sort of negative frame or, or how to appeal to people? Yeah, I mean, I think, and again, I feel like in some ways we've just lucked into this. Um, you know, when you talk about surfing and the coasts and ocean recreation, like you're, you're tapping into people's passion. Mm-hmm. If they don't care about those issues, they're not going to be part of our are necessarily our group or yep. whatever but um so we start in that place which is hey this is exciting this is great this mm-hmm. is something fun i'm excited about it then you can get them into the issues um it's positive people love the you know they have positive um sort of nobody says oh you know i mean i guess there are people that don't like the beach but most people love the beach <laughs> love the ocean <laughs> right. you know so and we're just um, steps away from it here in Miami. yeah <laughs> and uh and you know so i think also um keeping it fun, keeping it light and focusing. The other thing I like about Surfrider, because we're grassroots, we're winning tiny little incremental victories all mm-hmm. the time. So it enables us to focus on success and achievement and awesome. progress yep. versus, oh God, yeah, you know, the climate's going to cook us all or yeah. whatever. So Which is so hard. I think, so I think, you know, it's plain language, yep. uh, tapping into people's passions, mm-hmm. um, keeping, keeping, talking about progress, and uh, keeping it positive and fun are all things that make people want to engage with your issues. Yeah, it's, the positive and fun piece is interesting, and that's something we've found from just sort of you know social psychology and, and different science that, that leads to effective communication is like trying to trying to get people you know getting people pissed off can work in the short term, but like mm-hmm. trying to trying to get people scared or get people like, you know, interested because it's like this really technical or big systemic problem that we should all care about. It's just people want to have fun and people want to enjoy what they yeah. do and, and living life with purpose is like a main aspiration. That's one thing we found in our research recently is like that is a big aspiration of people just to like have fun, have purpose. And it sounds like you guys are trying to combine those two. Uh, yeah. And I think we have to, cause we're trying to capture people, you know, they work, they've got their kids and uh, we're a volunteer organization. So mm-hmm. we're trying to capture those couple hours they have in between all the other things in life. Yeah. And if that's just misery, <laughs> yeah. they're not, they're not going to, you know, do it. So we got to find a way to make that fulfilling and fun. Yeah. So what, uh, what have you learned in terms of the training piece? I know a lot of organizations like people who listen to this probably have, capacity building, you know, mm-hmm. training as part of their jobs or, or, or people they work with. And it sounds like you guys do a ton of that. What, yeah. what, what have you learned that's made it effective? Um, I think it's funny because, you know, especially in this day and age, I think we're, we're constantly trying to sort of quote unquote digitize it mm-hmm. for scale. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
I think there's real limitations to that. Mm -hmm. It's like email or anything else. Like once you've met somebody and you have a relationship with them, mm -hmm. all of a sudden the uh, the digital conversation's easy. Yeah. But if you don't have that initial meeting, it's always sort of distant. So yeah. we actually invest a huge amount of money and time and effort in the human mm -hmm. personal connections. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of one-on-one -on -one training. We do a lot of trainings. Um, and try to build those relationships with the people who are doing the work nice. versus just teaching yeah. and sort of putting it out there. And I, I find that, that that's pretty pretty effective. And when you when you train people like on in terms of messages and ideas, like do you leave it pretty open to them to kind of adapt language and ideas to, to their situation? Do you have a pretty like strict script you ask people to, to stick by? I'm just curious because I think that Yeah, yeah, game. no, we, we don't script them at all. Um, I think, you know, most of our training is about how to like not get trapped by the media. <laughs> and so it's more about, it's more about the system than the actual communication. Mm -hmm. yep. um, I feel like they're actually teaching us, like I was referring to earlier, cause they want to speak in plain, plain language cause they're not experts. Yeah. I think that's actually, that's actually good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so we were talking a little bit earlier about the kind of challenges, and I'm, I'm curious, given the um, evolving political, economic, social situation that keeps you know evolving in the U.S. and um, and and around the world, I guess we're seeing people turning inwards and people not trusting institutions and people generally, you know, divisiveness and all that. Have you guys, based on any of that stuff, made any changes or, or choices based on that, or do you just kind of stick to your yeah, it's interesting. So our, we did a like our sort of annual sort of broad-based messaging campaign in 2016. It's called Long Live the Beach. Mm -hmm. And it was celebratory mm -hmm. in this sort of like anthem, like, raw, we're going to do this forever. Yep. Like, and um, the messaging and the marketing around it was all sort of really, really positive and uplifting. Yep. Uh, and, and then, you know, um, and we were getting a lot done. I mean... Obama, the Obama administration was not really thought of as being like a ocean champion, mm -hmm. ocean champions, but they really were. So we were having, I think, like a lot of different um, organizations. We feel like we were making progress and achieving a lot of big goals. It was yep. exciting times. Uh, you know, flash forward to today, and we've got the Trump administration, who's no friend of the environment, probably the big, at least in my lifetime, the biggest threat to our work. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, our campaign this year is, what are you fighting for? Mm. And so mm -hmm. we've moved from s celebrating our passion for the coast to, you know, digging in our heels for the fight. Uh, another interesting thing, I think, is, you know, we've been spending a lot of time talking about this world, this word activist mm -hmm. and whether that is a word that connotes positive mm -hmm. or is it turn people off? They think of sort of Black Panther, yeah. sort of, you know, even more relevant probably with the take a knee stuff that yeah, happened yeah. in this last week. Yeah. Um, and so we're, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, that word activist is too militant. You should, you should stop using that word. And um, now we're embracing it. Yeah. And uh, in fact, you know, the, I think the sort of business community that was often sort of apolitical is now turning into activists too. So all of a sudden activism is, is a thing versus something that would be perceived as a negative. So those are two sort of changes we've definitely got into sort of more of a resist mode. Yeah, that's um, interesting. And you talked earlier about how you have a, you're able because it's about fun and it's about, you know, passion. Um, you have a broader probably appeal than like a, you know, environmental group that's like, that's maybe seen, like you said, capital E environment. Yeah. Um, 
has the what are you fighting for um, campaign or frame has that turned anyone off like have you heard feedback from people like that's too too aggressive yeah um, I, I imagine that uh, there is I haven't actually heard mm-hmm. a lot of that I feel like that conversation that we were having before is kind of faded because mm-hmm. I think people are like well we do need to go fight for Good. the things yeah. that we want to fight for so so people just feel like it's probably a different time and appropriate time I, I think so yeah. yeah yeah I think so um, yeah the EPA I mean it's interesting with the the day-to-day um, distractions of whatever Trump is tweeting about or whatever yeah. you know even the, the NFL thing is a great um, I think the you know bringing a lot of attention to the issue I hope but it's it's almost just a distraction of from things going on and like the EPA, yeah. I mean, Pruitt is like, it's, yeah, it's I mean, crazy, it, right? it is. And, uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of incompetent people that have been appointed in the Trump administration. He's not one of them. Mm-hmm. He's like this assassin. Yeah. that's like quietly going about dismantling, you know, laws that I think also people forget are fundamental to our health. Mm-hmm. It's about breathing clean air, drinking clean water. Mm-hmm. I think it's not about environmental luxury. Yeah, it's about the basics, and uh, I think it's been he. Those sto- I, I spent a lot of time reading about him and what's going on, and it is a deep in the newsfeed. Yeah, and so I, you know, the part of the sort of crisis of the moment drama of mm-hmm. the moment that. Mm-hmm. And, and just the incredible onslaught of crazy news that we get almost every week before we had a lot of disasters, which only made that more difficult, is um, it makes stories like what Pruitt's doing really hard to get those, you know, I think, out there. Yeah. And also, you know, it's wonky. Yeah. It's technical, bureaucratic, yeah. rulemaking yeah, stuff regulations that he's and people doing. That just don't, yeah. people if you don't can really focus, I think, on the impacts and the mm-hmm. outcomes of what he's going to do, maybe yeah. you're going to, you unfortunately, by the time we see those stories, it'll be too late. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I like, I like this, like the embracing activism. Um, is there, um, is there something that you're particularly excited about opportunity-wise with communications around just what Surfrider's doing or any of the stuff that, that, you, that you guys are doing that you would share? Um, that, that is a great question. Um, you know, I think, I guess, I guess I can answer that question a little bit more broadly, which mm-hmm. is kind of one of the ironies of the, the Trump administration is that, you know, climate change is an issue that's fundamental to sort of the health of our oceans and coasts, um, sea level rise, ocean acidification, storms, and more powerful hurricanes like we just witnessed are, are you know, some of the most important big issues that, that are ultimately going to affect the coast regardless of all the little mm-hmm. other things that we do. And um, ironically, I think that Trump has brought more attention to climate change mm-hmm. because of his negative approach towards it than mm-hmm. than anyone else ever has. You know, when he left the Paris Accord, it was front page news. Yeah. When Obama signed the Paris Accord, signed up for the Paris Accord, it was not. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So so I think between that and there was a Washington Post article that came out yesterday or today, which was some survey about climate change and mm-hmm. there's in the last like decade, there's been this huge leap in popular acceptance of climate change in America. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I think that's that's really positive. Interestingly enough, it was all independents and Democrats. Republicans actually believe in climate change influencing human influence of climate change less today than they did ten years ago. Wow. So we still have work to do in terms of yeah. broadening that debate. But wow. 
That's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, I want to let you get back to the conference. Um, the The last question we usually ask people is, um, what's one like insight um, or idea from your work that you would share that people might be able to apply to their own organization or cause? Yeah. Um, you've, you've already shared a bunch of useful stuff, but just is yeah. there one thing that you yep. would point to? Um, you know, I think um, the ability to try to tap into popular culture and connect it to your issue. Um, one of the campaigns that actually I'm most proud of at Surfriders, we, we were fighting to save a state park in California in a surf spot from a road that was gonna destroy both. And uh, our marketing guy came up with this sort of rock and roll campaign. And mm-hmm. um, you know, he was kind of talking about this like surf music that surfers listens to and designed all the campaign stuff, riffing off all these kind of classic rock and roll songs nice. and bands. And it had incredible resonance with the community that we were trying to engage. And it was just a classic example of kind of taking some sort of pop culture reference. I mean, it's always nice if you can get the real celebrities and stars, but you can't, but you can kind of riff off what they're up to. And so, I mean, surfing is sort of steeped in pop culture, and Mm -hmm. so we use that, but it's, I think, in a really effective way of connecting your issue to to things that people already are caring about in their day-to-day lives. So I think that's, you know, one That's of those cool. things where you can say, hey, what's going on in the world that people really are like and care about? And can I find a way to connect my issue to, to that? And yeah. You have to do it in a meaningful, authentic way, of course. It's yeah. easy to say it and hard to do it. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say, as long as it's authentic, right? And like you said, you're because you guys are about passion and trying to keep things fun, like that plays into your your brand anyway, right? Because yeah. as long as it's authentic. Yeah, and I think you can do that stuff and still talk about something serious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's this myth that because the issue you're dealing with is serious, you can't sort of connect that to being positive or to having fun. Yeah. And I think you can do that. Yep. Maybe some issues that that's hard to do with, but most you can. I yeah, think. that's great. That's a great so. thing to leave people with. Um, well, Chad, thanks for joining us and taking time out of the yeah. conference to, Happy to, do to hang it. out and talk. Yeah, Appreciate thanks it. a lot. Thanks again for tuning in to Achieve Great Things. If you like what you hear, subscribe on iTunes and give us a review there. Um, shoot us an email at podcast at hadaway.com if you have thoughts, suggestions, comments. Thank you very much for listening. See you next week.